Welcome to the Tea with Brie. I'm your host, Brie. Thanks for listening. The Tea with Brie podcast is focused on deep, honest, and vulnerable conversation. Each week, I sit down with a different guest in order to have those conversations. Every week, I will start with my guest bio, an intro into how we know each other, and then we'll go into a deep dive conversation about whatever topic they bought to me that week. This week, I'm joined by my guest, Marcus Sanchez. Marcus uses he, him pronouns as a queer Latinx creative when he is not working his day job. Hello, Marcus. <laughs> Welcome back again. Hi, Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's been a while. <laughs> I know. Uh, for those of you who maybe listened a couple weeks ago, uh, Marcus and I did a bonus episode of talking about um, sobriety during COVID. So go back and listen if you haven't. Um, but today we are going to talk about a different topic. Uh, you've picked, uh, oh, actually, let me, first of all, I'm jumping ahead. So Marcus and I met <laughs> uh, about two years ago when I was working at Out Youth, um, and it's been a joy. Um, we worked at different organizations, um, but we did a lot of partnerships. Um, so Marcus was my work husband who didn't actually work with me, and <laughs> Here we are, and it's been it's been hard not talking to you every day because I feel like I was I at least talked to you once a week, and now it's like we don't work together anymore. So it's I been know. really hard. It's been an adjustment for sure. But and then COVID were, struck, and here we are. I'm like, Ugh, yeah. nothing makes sense anymore. So now I just hibernate and don't talk to anyone. So it's going to be really exciting to talk to everyone after all of this <laughs> like like you said in the the last one you you have a husband and dogs like what else do you need right now <laughs> you have all the socialization yeah. <laughs> i will say i am very fortunate and grateful however i'm also grateful for different rooms that i can go into when i need <laughs> I know where your dogs are so cute. I've actually like been thinking about getting a dog and I'm like, girl, you're not ready. You're never home. And we know when COVID releases and you can go back outside, you'll still never be home. Yeah. So I'm not prepared yeah. for dog mom life yet. Yeah, I well, I would I think you would be a great mother, but um I also <laughs> know that like our dogs are they're spoiled to begin with, and now it's just like they're constantly on me. Like they're waiting outside of the door right now for me to get off. <laughs> Um, and, um, yeah, they are going to, when we go back to work and we will never be able to get them into a crate again. So listen, I, a friend of mine the other day, like posted a video, like her kids and like, they're very big about like limiting screen time. And she goes, listen, they run the house now. If they're not burning anything down, (laughs) it's fine. (laughs) Like they're not killing each other and the house is still standing. Whatever it takes to survive. Like girl, same, like God bless. I get it. it. I can't like uh, also to parents right now during COVID, my heart goes out to you, like trying to work, raise your children, educate them at the same time, like, and be with them constantly. Constantly. 
<laughs> also, let's let's remember this when we're like when teachers start asking for raises. I want all these parents to remember <laughs> this time now, of like being home exactly. with just like your kid. Like this is your child, and then teachers Great have to point. deal with your kid and like fifteen other people's kids all day. <laughs> God bless teachers. You are superheroes, and we thank you today. The topic you brought, which I'm very excited about, is queer people of color representation and visibility and creating space for others to excel, which is, I'm so excited to talk about this. What made you pick this topic? Um, I think when we first talked, started talking about this, um, I was in a menteeship mentor program because um, I'm a board member of a nonprofit organization and also work in nonprofit. Um, and in the nonprofit world, there's um, a lack of diversity. I feel, I feel like corporate America does a better job with diversity initiatives and have a lot of diversity task force. Um, and nonprofit, it's, um, it, it's different. Uh, not always, but um, I, I was in this program um, for nonprofit board members, and it was to empower. Um, people of color uh, who are often um, the only person of color on the board mm-hmm. who's trying to like fill the space for so many other, like a full spectrum of like our race, our ethnicity. Um, and so, yeah, we've had a, little, a lot of really good co- conversations around um, tokenism, microaggressions and macroaggressions and how to, you know, still be this professional person. Um, <laughs> who can have a very level-headed conversation, be very firm on like your views. And so, um, yeah, it's just something that's, that's always been on my mind. I also see like a, a need more like representation in pop culture and, and media. Um, you know, I feel like that's getting, but um, you know, we can always do better. So yeah, I thought it would be something good to talk about and, um, I'm so curious to hear what other people have to say. Like, I want to see some comments too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I worked in nonprofit work for eight years. Um, and now I've mentioned before, like I've switched to a for-profit sort of public traded, com- well, public sector company. Um, and for this is the first time I haven't worked at a place where it wasn't predominantly women, people of color or queer people. And so for me, it's been a huge adjustment. Um, but I even think like back to when I worked in nonprofit, I was typically the only black person or the only person of color period. Right. Like, and I think about that too, like nonprofit work does all these, does all these things in, you know, marginalized communities. Um, but a lot of the time it's white people who are at the, the top of the company. Um, and it's like, but then it's like the people of color who do like the day-to-day quote unquote grunt or brunt work. Um, and then also like talking about like compensation, like people at top tend to make more money. Um, but then like you're saying like with tokenism, I think about like using these people of color to like go out and like direct support for whoever they're serving. Um, so yeah, that like really triggered something in me. Um, and then like when you mentioned macro and microaggressions, I just think of them as aggressions period. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people like use micro and macro to like try to like 
minimize the effect it has on people but it's like no it's still an aggression like yeah <laughs> period like you are still doing something whether you quote unquote mean to or not you are doing something that is going to make feel aggressive to me um and therefore affect me and so I've, I've been you know you picking this topic i just feel very seen um and then also like talking about representation and like tv and media and all that stuff for sure like i feel like that has changed immensely but um i would love to like start with like how do you think like we start changing what it looks like i think on you just start at a board level like i feel like especially here in austin a lot of the boards are predominantly white and you know uh i've had conversations with friends at different organizations and like how they want to have their board represent the people that they're serving and it's been an interesting conversation to have because like Austin now is a predominantly white city. Um, so technically like their board does look like who they serve. I've been trying to challenge them and say, I think you need to make your board look like who you want to serve, like who you want to have come into your spaces and use your supports. Um, so yeah, I would love to like hear your ideas of like how we diversify boards and uh, staff. I mean, number one is, you know, pay. Cause I feel like a lot of nonprofits don't pay a lot. And so people are taking a lot of pay cuts when they go and work a nonprofit. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't, uh, feel free to jump in and, and give me your ideas. Sure. Yeah. Um, and I don't have like all these solutions though. I try <laughs> to be very solution based. So let's see what we come up with. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think that, um, so the group I was talking about earlier, uh, this is not like an official plug or whatever, but I really love what they're doing and they're the only, group that I think is doing it. And it was interesting of like why they came to be is directly because of this conversation. So um, it's, uh, I did this program th through the new philanthropist and they started um, because of this, like where they would question the diversity of boards and the question or they, what they would get back is like, well, we don't, we, we, there's not enough qualified people of color, you know, to fill the need of, um, and so they went out and started their own nonprofit that does that. They, um, I think they have a bank of like a hundred plus POC people or professionals that they can put on any board at any given moment, um, based on their interests or what the board does or what the nonprofit does. Um, and then they do like, uh, training programs and, and how to have conversations around, um, you know, these aggressions and, and representation and um you know because i've sat on boards too where i've been the only person of color and i'm asked to like speak for a group that i don't even represent mm. but just because i'm the only non-white person yeah. they're like well can you go and talk to this group of black women and i'm like well no because i'm not that's who i am um looking at me just because i'm the only brown that's as close as we can get to that like no, if we need to engage this population, then we should be record recording edible. Like, you know, this is something that, that we're responsible for. Um, so, yeah, they they kind of, and I feel like, and I love their approach or that approach of, like, decision makers, because I've done, like, um, you know, the Beyond Diversity and, like, Undoing Racism training and, you know, their rate, um, you know, courses and workshops, but it's, like, what I've seen in those preaching to the choir and like the white leaders and decision makers are not 
participating in those conversations. Mm-hmm. And it's like until I'm going to see a shift in like organizational change or you know, um, um, systemic racism if like the people making the decisions are not actively participating in this or they're relying on, you know, their frontline staff where people of color to give feedback to say that they're listening, but then they're not giving them a same space at that leadership level or a seat at the table. Um, so I like the idea of like, you know, for nonprofits, a lot of these decisions are made at the board level. So we need to have more representation and, and diversity there. So um, I like, you know, that. And I feel like if the board is diverse, then they can lean into the organization to have more diverse leadership and diverse staff. And, um, and it's held out of values or at a high priority. So, um, yeah. And as far as pay, I mean, I don't know. I think there's a way to pay people <laughs> and we need to figure it out. Uh-huh. Like nonprofit workers do a lot of work their job descriptions barely scratch the surface because they end up doing so much more. <laughs> so it's like, um, find that budget, make it work. <laughs> like y'all got money somewhere. Let's, let's make it work. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I've sat on three boards now. Um, one was Austin black pride. So it was all black queer people, which was amazing. Um, one was keep Austin fed, which is a food rescue organization here in Austin. And there were, two women of color, including me. Um, I was the youngest person on my, on that board though, which was fascinating, <laughs> which I then recruited someone who was around my age anyway. Um, and now I uh, am the co-director of new leaders council, Austin, and we are all women and all diverse. Like there's, we have four black women, one uh, Asian woman, um a couple of like there's 11 of us and i think it's like a good like mix of all of all of the things um but also like we get so much done and i think it's just because we're all just like women like i know it sounds very like gender whatever but it's just like we work really well together everything like really flows and i think like the more i think about like past places that i've worked at or like boards i've dealt with like i also have seen like the the people of color typically have less ego right like they're willing to do more things and reach out more and like go and do this extra thing if it means we're going to meet with more people and i just yeah i i've experienced it of like there's been a lot of like ego and energy of like well that's almost like beneath me to like go and like have the time with this person who isn't going to give x amount of dollars or like do this thing and i'm just like but these are all people who support the work that we're doing and we need to make time for everyone equally um so i've also been thinking about that of like who who again who was on your board represents your organization and you need to be really careful but i think it's also like not just that but like the people on your board help to bring in and bring in new people and are sort of like the marketing for your organization and should be doing that work too. So I'm always very big on who was on the board. Cause it's, I was a person for a long time. I was like, if there isn't a person who looks like me in your board, in your staff, what have you, I'm not going right. Like I'm not going to go somewhere where I don't see myself. Um, so I've always been really big too, of like working at working with organizations and sometimes being the only person of color. So that way other queer that, sorry, that other people of color um, can know that they are allowed in those spaces, like being, being a token in that right of 
you know, essentially like quote unquote opening a door for someone else to feel like they have a right to be there too, right? Like showing showing the way if we can. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you brought up some really great points and um just sparked a few thoughts in my head. But yeah, that, that importance of like, you know, who is representing the organization at that top level is very important. Um another conversation I, I had, I think, you know, at our leadership level where I'm at, um, was like it's more than diversity. It's that it's that different point of view that lived experience like if there's not a diverse group of people they're going to miss a lot of really important conversations like if everyone looks and thinks the same way especially when it comes to race and equity you know they're not going to have um the values are going to look different because i'm sorry but not a lot of white people there are there's some great allies out there but they're not really these issues up because it's still uncomfortable for a lot of people like it's like we're not saying your wokeness we're just saying need to have these conversations and we need yeah. to like um talk about uh equity you know every level of the organization and um yeah and then something else that uh came to mind just to me and i'm sure it will come back <laughs> <laughs> to be fair we're recording on a saturday morning so i feel like we have to yeah. people have to have some grace for us <laughs> right um it's okay it'll come back <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think about, you know, when I was working at Out Youth um, and like seeing queer black youth be there and, you know, they had been going there for a while, but then for them to say like, we haven't seen a person who looks like us who works here in a long time. And so like that was always like really heartwarming for me or like having worked at another organization where I helped people who had been experiencing homelessness. Um, and like being able to work with them and them, you know, and them being other people of color and being like, listen, it is great to have someone who even is, you know, just having someone who looks like me who might be able to get it a little bit more. Um, so I think that's a, that's a big thing for me too. Like you have to be willing to have these people all to have people who are going to bring people in and let people know that they have space there. Um, and then like, you just never know who's watching, right? Like um, one of my guests that's coming up is a youth who's been doing like ridiculously fantastic advocacy work. Um, And uh, they wanted to come on and talk about that. And I think the first time I met this youth, they were speaking at um, an Austin Pride event. They had like won a scholarship for something. And just seeing that of like, there was a bunch of people of color who were on the Austin pride board. There was this black youth speaking about queer experiences. Um, and just thinking back, like if I would have saw this when I was younger and like knowing that it existed, maybe I would have come out sooner. Maybe I would have been able to like know who I was or like this part of me. But I think we also have to think of representation that way of like, if you, if you can't see it, you can't be it. Right. Like we don't, we aren't given permission to, try new things if we don't foresee that someone else can do it first yeah that's so true like just being visible lets people you know realize something about themselves that they may not have even thought about like oh i can do that like i can these things and uh, representation is just so important um you know for 
for queer people too, like especially queer people of color. Um, but yeah, um, I remembered what I was thinking about just a moment ago. Because <laughs> 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 um, you'd mentioned uh, uh, something about like mentorship. One thing that I did learn in, in, in this did that I I look at differently, like, you know, I've had mentors, I've been mentor a mentor for people um, professionally. I do love to work and support ways to work with, you know, people of color, queer people of color, um, and create spaces. But it's like, I think there's um, a difference in like sponsorship. So um, with mentorship, yes, I can like, you know, teach people what I've learned and what I'm doing. But then when we talk about like sponsorship, which is just this next level, which I think is more important for, for, for people of color, a lot of especially, um, it's the idea of, uh, paving the way. So more than just like, here's what I've learned, but like finding opportunities and ways to have conversations with certain people that will advance this person's career because um, it's like the equity, right? It's like sometimes people need some extra help to get to, to certain places. So it's like, you know, it's more than just like skill sharing. It's like, who can I talk to about getting you a promotion or more money? Like how can I use my position in an organization um, to help advance your career or whatever it is, is you're doing or, you know, define a space for you that may not be available to you because of, you know, who you are, how you're. So um, that's something that I try to think of more and be more mindful of is that like um, it sometimes doesn't take a lot to do a little extra work for people because sometimes we're still in this world where, um, it's not equal and <laughs> we do need to create um, certain spaces and special, you know, um, roles for certain people. So I, I think we can do to advance someone any way we can um, also helps with this. Yeah. And I love what you're saying. Like it doesn't take a lot to like make something equal. Like it's just, it might just be giving an opportunity. Like there might be someone who, you know, has been looking at your organization for a while and has been wanting to work there, but like there's not, a specific like job for them but then you might find out like oh we need someone who's like who can draw or like create content for us like there are different ways that like you have there are different ways to find value in people um so I also think about that too like going back to what you were saying about nonprofit people who <laughs> end up working there and then their job description doesn't even scratch to the surface right like and nonprofits it's a lot of like picking up the slack and constantly like trying to you know keep a car rolling but one tire is always flat right like you have to keep <laughs> figuring out ways to to keep everything mm -hmm. afloat um so i think about that too like the people who work in nonprofit do so much that is like almost expected um so then i but then like when they ask for raises or what have you it's like but you know what your job description says this like yeah but i've been doing so much more so i also think it's that too like not being this nitpicky thing of like you see these people who are working hard to keep this place afloat like find the money find the resources bring those people in keep your staff like the turnover rate at nonprofits because of pay i mean we if you think about nonprofits we pick up the slack of like what the government can't do. Um, we're the ones in these in the communities that we serve, making sure that all these people have these resources. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if there's a database where you can find grants or <clears throat> um, get things for other people, but I feel like I want nonprofits to know like they're 
there are things out there and ways for you to keep the people who are really invested in your organization. For sure. Um, I absolutely agree. You know, I think there is a way and like I said, we can all do better. Um, or leaders, us as leaders can do better. Um, yeah, and you you said something that, that made me think of something, something really interesting is like, you know, we do all these extra things that are not in in their job, job description. Um, and I've also heard of cases where that's been used like against someone. So if someone were to say like, oh, I feel like I should get a raise or promotion because I'm doing all these other things. And then they use the job, just job description to say, well, these are not, responsibilities so you need to create some boundaries because you shouldn't be doing all these extra mm-hmm. things but then we forget like as a person of color there's like a power dynamic things a lot of time for me i know for me i apologize a lot and like even in the professional space i just feel um because i've had so many white leaders like if a white manager is going to come to me and ask me to do something i'm not so great with my boundaries <laughs> i'll be mm-hmm. like yes i'm, I'm going to do it sure i'm going to do that i'm going to help you um and it's like just this constant need to like prove myself or to see like you know it's code switching too or yeah yeah it's just a lot of things that go into it it's like the the world we were raised in or the world i grew up in and, and oh. you know, i i i have a lot of a privilege but it's like still like can't eh, there's so much yeah <laughs> a thousand percent and i think about that that too like I was working at a job where I was doing a lot, but like it needed to be done and I loved doing it. Um, but then I'm also really big about like paying, like getting paid. Like <laughs> that's great. Mm-hmm. You think I'm doing a great job, but we live in a capitalistic society. Like I have bills to pay. So would like did like a whole like year long review, of, like everything I was like, that was actually my job description, all the things that I did. Um, and one of my bosses did say like, you know, you should have better boundaries. I'm like, no, don't try to downplay what I was doing because this, com- this conversation is making you uncomfortable and mm-hmm. you, you know that I deserve this money. You, A, you just don't want to pay me. B, you don't have the money to pay me. Or C, you know you can hire someone who can do it for less, but you can't just like fire me. So I think part of my privilege in a lot of my jobs has been I have had a lot of opportunities. Like I'm very educated. I've worked a lot of different places and I'm very upfront and honest. (laughs) Um, So like having worked at a lot of places and being able to be like, Hey, like you aren't willing to pay me this, but you know that I'm doing all this work. Like, I think we need to have this conversation and it's not to make you awkward. It's just for me to like, say like I can be an, I would be an even better employee and I'm doing great now if you were able to pay me more. And this is why. And I think like you're saying, like a lot of, women, people of color, people who have had a lot of like white bosses to report to, we are taught as marginalized or like not the upper hand to like just be so grateful to be places mm-hmm. um, and like to become not complacent, but to just kind of like do the day to day, keep your head down, keep it moving. Um, whereas you think of other people who do far less than us, who aren't as educated as us or what have you who make more money because they come from a place of like being told their whole life that you can ask for more um so mm-hmm. that's that's been my energy lately <laughs> like i'm going to ask for what i want because i know i deserve it and i and i and i know that's a place of privilege but i want people to know that like you have to value yourself and not minimize yourself to make other people comfortable like awkwardness can't be the reason why we're afraid to ask for more 
Um, the worst thing that they can, that can happen is they say no or you lose your job or, you know, go from there. But I also am a big believer of like what's meant for you will not pass you. So like if you ask for this thing and they're not willing to compromise or like meet you halfway or, or you know, give you ways to like get there, um, then, I mean, I feel like that place doesn't deserve you if you're doing all this great stuff and they can't see it. And, like, and I have left jobs that I loved because I did not feel appreciated or that I did not feel like there was ever going to be a chance for me to move up in the, in the company. So, yeah. 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 I, I agree. I think too, like the, um, it's easy for us to like, you know, I, I grew up, um, um, you know, my, I'm, I'm most closely related to my, my Mexican heritage, um, my family versus first culture and background, but, you know, consider myself, you know, of Mexican descent and, um, and I am mostly, um, <laughs> you know, there's some, um, other stuff in there, but I embrace my Mexican heritage and, um, but we were also, I grew up in a time where we had to be very Americanized to feel accepted. So we didn't speak Spanish in the home. We had to be as American and work harder as possible just to be accepted. And so I felt like this was something too that I always carried on. Like I had to be accepted by authority at, at that time. Mm. Um, but I feel like now um, I don't want us to like hold on to, or me to hold on to those um, had you know fortunately I work for a place that that embraces these ideas and we can have these conversations um because we've brought up like you know how we how are we um valuing diversity and then when we're hiring we may be having requirements that are barriers to people like yeah. understanding that education is a privilege that some people don't have or um and so what I was taught or you know, recently had conversations of like we have to um embrace the value and um if our work does this too that's great of our culture like our culture brings ex value to any organization i think we live in a time where we're all trying to get spaces so you know really looking at people's lived experiences mm. as just as as like as valuable as like a decree or certificates it's like you know their school of life <laughs> hello like way and what especially nonprofits like if we're trying to reach marginalized communities we have got to work and have people making those decisions about these programs who represent that community like mm -hmm. that is more valuable than you know their white counterparts degree so yeah. <laughs> just saying <laughs> but well, you bring yeah. up a good point of like so one of my favorite quotes is from the show Scandal when Olivia Pope's dad says to her, you have to work twice as hard to get half as much. And that has been a thing I've held on in my heart for a very long time because like, well, yes, like I have educated, I've had, had the uh, privilege of being educated. I have a bachelor's degree and a lot of places are always asking for masters. And so I had an interview when I was moving to Austin and one of the gentlemen who was a white man <laughs> asked me, um, you graduated college in 2012. It is now 2015. Um, did you ever like go and get your master's? And I said, no. And he's like, oh, like, do you, he's like, why do you think you're qualified for this job then? I was like, cause I have worked in these spaces. Like there are things I have learned that I never would have learned in a book. Like you could read about a person with 
who has experienced homelessness, or you can actually go and work with them and like see what they're going through and like not just try to, you know, put them in a box and think y'all know the answers. Like I, like you're saying, I've had lived experience. I have worked with these people. I've seen what they have gone through. Um, whereas if I'm in a book, it's not, if it's not going to be as tangible for me, like there are people who aren't people who can read books and learn things like they have to have the experience. So I think you're, you're a thousand percent correct. Like we have to be willing to open up opportunities to people whose experiences aren't going to look like the same old, the quote unquote normal, right? Like we have to meet people where they're at and, and know that there's value outside of just being educated. Like that's not the only way that someone can, can bring experience to, to a job. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And like I said, I, I think that, you know, unfortunately I, I'm, I'm in a space where we can have these conversations. Like just one example, which I thought would be great and powerful that, and I didn't bring it up. I'm like, damn it. Why didn't I say that? But um, we looking at like a program that works specifically with uh, people um, who are incarcerated or recently released from incarceration and you know obviously we would need staff to or someone to lead this program and it's like we need to look at our requirements and how we hire people program checks because for a program like that we need to hire someone who has actually been incarcerated and has that you know they're they probably wouldn't pass a background check but we have to make exceptions because what's more important is that someone who can identify with this population um is on staff and representing us as opposed to who's coordinating a volunteer outreach worker who was once incarcerated to talk to these people for them. Like, you know, it's like, we got to look for, we got to look at ways we need to make exceptions and opportunities that's going to be best fitting for, for our mission and who we are. And, you know, um, people deserve a chance, you know, it's hard enough out there. (laughs) Yeah. And it sounds very much like a peer to peer support person right like you're taking someone who has lived this experience giving them a job and they're going to serve people and be able to connect with these people and make their them more successful um so yeah I, i think you're right like you have to look at the person as a whole not their situation their circumstances um but their experiences and the way it's going to add value to to the work that you're trying to do that's how we become Diverse. I thought you become what? Diverse. More diverse. <laughs> that is so true. Listen, if I also am a big believer of like, if you just made every executive director of a nonprofit either a person of color or not a cis man, I feel like so much more stuff would get done. But that's just my hypothesis. So. Um. I would have to agree. If I'm part of that study, I would just you know agree. Yes. 100%. <laughs> Just diversify the people who are at the top people. I'm telling you, let, let me run this experience for you. I will, I will figure this out and I will run data. I hate numbers, but I will run the data if it means things would shift in society. So let me know. Yeah, for sure. Uh, well, anything else you want to add? Any organizations you want to shout out? Websites before we start to wrap up here? Yeah, I mean, um, I think I mentioned new philanthropists. I mean, if you are a person of color and looking to get on board on a, on a board, um, you know, they will do the recording recruiting for you. If you don't know nonprofits, they can match you up. 
Um, Because again, like we're saying, I think that change has to be done at the decision-making level at the top. Um, And that's where we start to see um, change throughout the organization. Um, But yeah, I mean, yeah, that's all I have. Thank you for your time. Of course, I'll be sure to find their link and list it in the show notes. Um, And then my final question for the day, the question I always ask my guests, what is the best advice you were ever given or what's a piece of advice you would give to your younger self? Oh my God. I was not prepared for that. <laughs> I put it in the show um, notes. <laughs> I know that's how prepared I am. Bree. Um, I'm going to blame it on COVID. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> um, that's a good question though. Um, you know what? I think one thing and, um, you know, it took me a little while to get into nonprofit. And I think a lot of it, uh, you know, I spent a lot of time with my grandparents. Um, my grandmother always told me um, is that um, always find ways to be kind or do something for others less fortunate. And then she would follow that with, there's always someone less fortunate than you. Less fortunate is old speak, but you know, my grandma would grow up with the Bible in her hand and like that was so, just, we love it. We know what she meant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, that's it for this week's episode of The Tea with Brie. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at The Tea with Brie. Send me an email at theteawithbrie at gmail.com and visit the website, theteawithbreepodcast.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. As always, a special thanks to Mama Duke for our theme music, and then I will talk to y'all next week. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>